Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me on a day of two halves, the old rugby leagueism right there. Thunderstorms in the morning and sunshine in the afternoon. Oh, my good mates, 60s and Quint. Fellas, we're uh, barely surviving the weather, uh, but we've got plenty of football to talk about this week. Uh, yes, I'm glad to see that you got onto an arc yesterday to survive the great downpour. Certainly came down in some parts of Sydney. Did you see the footage from Eels uh, headquarters up at Kellyville? Sivo <laughs> going going for a, a bit of a slip and slide yeah. in the wet conditions there. Uh, I was only up there a couple of hours before that was taken, and they've managed to get through their training session. But my goodness, the, it had to have been coming down for a period of time for the fields to be completely covered in water like a, an inland lake. So, uh, yeah, yeah, strange weather, strange, strange weather. But we've still got plenty to talk about, especially with what's happening around Parramatta. Uh, Clint, what about you? How are you faring? Uh, lads, I'm absolutely over the moon that we get to be talking about uh, the first grade side uh, this week, um, given that we've um, obviously had the trial across the weekend, which, which had a mix of first grade players, cup players and and some of our um, development players that have been coming through our systems. But this weekend, we're going into an NRL trial, which is absolutely fantastic from my perspective because I am dead set over the off-season. So uh, I'm, I'm really keen to rip into this one with you both. And before we do yeah. rip in, a uh, quick shout-out to the sponsors of the show. As always, it's Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Rowan, and Parramatta. Thank you to both parties for making these episodes happen each and every week. Now and uh, and John can also give another reminder because it is only three days now until voting closes for the board of directors positions for Parramatta Leagues Club. Any eligible Parramatta Leagues Club members, please make sure you vote. It's an easy process, especially if you're doing it online. You should have all the voting papers by now either come through the mail or sent to you electronically. Only takes, as I said, a couple of minutes to do it. Elect your vote, do your vote electronically. Voting closes at 5 p.m. this Friday, so please make sure you vote. The more people that vote, the more representative it is of the wishes of leagues club members. Well said, mate. Now let's get into it. News team, assemble. Okay, fellas, we had the first trials held last week for the majority of NRL clubs, including Parramatta. Parramatta Reels going down to the Raiders. It was a little bit of a landslide of points for the Raiders late in the game. I know we've had already had our instant reaction podcast, but John and Clint... Anything you'd like to add in terms of your takes from the trial? 
John, over to you first. Yeah, well, look, I feel like 60s over the last you know decade about now, uh, since Brad's been in charge, we've done a fair job of not trying to overplay success in trials. Um, Eels have largely been a, a very good trial team under Arthur. And if trials were indicative of regular season dominance, then the Eels would have a dynasty uh, throughout that period, mm-hmm. as much as the Penrith Panthers. And while the Eels have translated success in the trials to success in the regular season, uh, by the same token, you don't you know start uh, trying to bail out water and, and abandon ship when you have a bad loss in a New South Wales Cup slash NRL trial uh, against the Raiders. And, yeah, we, we spoke about an instant reaction. There were definitely positives coming out of this game, while there were also some legitimate question marks that now face the team heading towards the Gold Coast Titans uh, trial coming up on Sunday. Uh, but, um, you know, we will be able to reassess at the end of the week uh, whether there is legitimate questions about the team that will need to be addressed ASAP or if that was more, you know, the Raiders is having... Uh, as you mentioned, the trial in the instant reaction, a bit of luck to go with some uh, really eager uh, efforts from them across the uh, second half of play. So, Clint, as far as you're concerned, the sky's not falling. No, not at all. You know, there's there's absolutely um, to, to follow on from forty. Just that there's some luck in in some of the Raiders' points. You know, it feels like whenever Danny Levi plays us, he, anything any, uh, he does just turns to gold. You know, I, I, that's got to be one of the flukiest tries I've ever seen in terms of that um, that volley kick to <laughs> Jed Stewart to score in the corner. Um, but no, you look, I, I, I pay attention um, to probably the first 30 to 40 minutes in these types of games because I think um, that's where you sort of get an idea of um, hopefully everyone's fitness levels just and, and, and that the, the uh, mainstays of the first grade team that are playing in those games or at least the players that are competing for those spots they're looking fit. They're looking likely. Um, I know it was already covered in the um, in, in the instant reaction podcast, but geez, Sean Russell looks primed for for a good season. I was really happy with what I saw um, from him out of that game. Um, you know, I, I thought um, Morgan Harper and Bailey Simonson both had some good moments, with also some not so good moments throughout the game. Um, and you know, I, I think I texted you both, um, or maybe it was just you, sixties, um, directly after the trial, just before you recorded that. There were some lessons for our young boys in in that game, but they'll be better for the run. Yeah, absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, look, I was I was pleased from the point of view that a couple of things that I'd banged on about during the preseason, which was uh, Kelma Tuolangi's uh, preseason training form, how strong it was. I think that was uh, shown to be the case during the trial. I think this this is some vindication for you as well, sixties, because people were very quickly to uh, to get stuck into you when you were. Uh, uh, singing Josh Hodgson's praises after the off-season last year. So this is this is a nice little moment for you. I'm happy for you, mate. Well, Josh Hodgson last year had a pre-season that was right out of the box. And I, I maintain that if, if it were not for injury, that we would have mm-hmm. reaped the benefits of Josh Hodgson back after the season last I year. I think, I think he was I think he was finding his way into the team during that first mm-hmm. half of the year. But uh, we'll never know now. But anyone that saw his preseason last year, I, I know they agreed with me because it was the talk. It was the talk of the preseason for quite a number of people that got down there and saw some of the sessions. Uh, of course, the other person that I singled out, you've already uh, spoken about. I made my preseason tip a number of times that I expect Sean Russell to have a breakout season this year. He's 
going to tip the scales about six or seven kilos heavier than he did last year. And as we saw on the weekend, he's had no loss of pace whatsoever. In fact, he probably <laughs> surprised people. With and just the That's the uh, red, red Bull engineering right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and apart from that, uh, as, as we discussed, there was some learning uh, experience for some of the young players. But this week, when we get into uh, discussing the team list in just a moment, uh, it's it's really now the pointer towards round one selections. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a and moment. Some MRC housekeeping to come out of this 160s when we're doing the instant reaction. We mentioned that Sean Lane and I believe Makassi Makatoa were both cited uh, and put on report. Thankfully for Sean Lane, he had nothing to answer to. And I believe Makassi Makatoa uh, was fine sufficient for his uh, hip drop tackle on the Canberra Raiders. So nothing too damaging coming out of there by way of the match review committee, allowing them to focus on their game against the Gold Coast Titans now. Yes, and of course the main injury concern out of the game was Matt Arthur, young Woods. He ended up with his head in the wrong position with that tackle. Uh, Copter was, was taken from the field with concussion. The word is that everything's fine there. He'll just go through the protocols of uh, sitting out, training and playing for a short period of time. And then he'll be uh, back in action, probably, I would think, in, in time for round one. There was uh, three buys altogether yeah. in the junior reps last week. The Harold Matthews Cup, the Lisa Fiola Cup and the Tasha Gale Cup were all uh, sitting out last week and it was left to the SG ball team to fly the blue and gold flag. And, John, they managed to secure another win. This time it was a 26-point victory and remain undefeated. Yeah, um, it was a stinker out at Eric Tweedow on Saturday. Uh, SG ball starting at 10 o'clock and it was already getting blasted by the sun out there. So they did a good job to showcase, I suppose, their fitness in this contest, 60s, because the West Tigers, or the Balmain Tigers, they are in the SG Ball, didn't go away for about 40, 50 minutes in this game. But then, as we've seen in the last two games prior to this, the Eels have finished with an absolute flourish. Uh, three tries in a space of eight minutes took this game well away from the Tigers and firmly into Parramatta's control. Uh, and yeah, I thought... It, it, this was a, a solid game uh, on both accounts. I thought the Tigers showed that they uh, weren't going to go away. They played tough and, and had some opportunistic tries. I think uh, both their tries came on the back of either Parramatta errors or sort of opportunities opened up by a Parramatta indiscretion or something like that, uh, whereas the Eels had to work hard and then they came home strong um, across the park. I thought both flankers were very good in this 160s, Mo Alamedine and Dom Ferruja. With the little caveat, and uh, Dom was kicking himself for it, but that conversion he missed from the left of the uprights, uh, he was not happy about, but I thought they both had very good games. Uh, and then in terms of the rest of the team, uh, the 5'8", Lorenzo Talatina, had a number of really strong runs. Dil Brattle scored a great solo try. And then in the forwards, uh, Sebastian Piacala continues to have a really impressive start to the season. Jai Camilleri at dummy half, he's shown that he's a real handful near the goal line. And not just like near the goal line, but in the red zone. If he gets the ball from 20 metres out, he can make something happen. Uh, yeah, and then I just thought across the park, the forwards were pretty solid. The back rowers, Fenerai Uta and Lakenny. And then we got to see a bit more juice from the interchange this week. Bo Lucian, Lawson Moffat, 
And uh, I think even Zion Murphy had a couple of good carries. So good team effort. Um, and that was reflected on the scoreboard. And yeah, the, the scoreboard probably doesn't show, uh, probably overstates how dominant the Eels were when all was said and done. But I think it's probably also a fair reflection of the effort they put in for this game because they, they finished strong on the back of staying in the contest and then having the, the ability to finish harder than their opposition. Yeah, I thought individually it was possibly the best football that I'd seen from our halves. Uh, so I'm not, uh, obviously as a combination it worked, but I thought uh, in the in the halves, uh, uh, just for their individual performances, I thought that um, uh, Dylan and, and Lorenzo had, yeah, their best yeah. individual performances that I can recall um, in, in their pathway history. And they're such contrasting halves, aren't they? Because Lorenzo is your classic ball-running 5'8". He's got a you know really explosive right foot step coming back across the defense, can break a tackle and find support. He uh, had a really nice play that it ended up being called a forward pass, and I think that was the right call. But I think it was the Bo Lucian, and it was the classic shape to the outside, but then angle back and find your forward coming back through the ruck. And it was a try for all money if the pass was just a little bit flatter, uh, but he looked really sharp. And uh, for the halfback Brettel, well, he started the try scoring with an 80-meter solo effort from a scrum. But uh, he's a really good game manager. Uh, he has the ability to mix up his kicking game, whether it's early in a set or long. But I will credit the Tigers actually did a good job adjusting to that and they ended up getting a charge down at one point in the game. And yeah, just the thing for Dylan is uh, just getting a little bit bigger, isn't it? He's got a, a really rangy frame, but he's got the great game managing skills to carry him through this grade. He just needs to pack on some kegs. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, there were a couple of other trial results that were held on that day out at Granville. So we had a New South Wales Cup trial where the Eels defeated the Worker Sea Eagles team 20-12. to 12. Now, people might be thinking, well, how are you having a, a um, New South Wales Cup trial when there were so many New South Wales Cup players that were involved in the NRL trial out at Cogra? Well, for players that are outside the full-time training contract, they will train on Tuesdays and Thursdays. A lot of those fellas will probably play Ron Massey Cup, but may be called up into the New South Wales Cup team at various stages during the season. So they got to have a trial. Their list was supplemented by about five Jersey Flag Cup players. So uh, they didn't quite have enough players that they would have been able to run a full trial with reserves just with those players that are involved in training Tuesdays and Thursdays. But, uh, yeah, it was a good – look, it was a decent hit out. They were probably the superior team um, quite comfortably over the Seagulls workers team. Uh, and then we weren't – I wasn't able to stay for it, but there was – a Jersey Flag Cup trial as well that was played against the Canterbury Bulldogs immediately after the New South Wales Cup trial. And it's my understanding that the Eels scored eight tries to two in that. And just as it was with the New South Wales Cup trial, there were no kicks for goal. That was uh, five tries to three with that 20 to 12. And this was eight tries to two with the Jersey Flag Cup. And again, it'll be interesting with the Jersey Flag team because there may well be some players, well, there probably will be some players who participated in that NRL 
trial at Cogra, who will play in Jersey Fleg to start the season. So that was certainly a good result for the Jersey Fleg team. So it was a good good day of results out at uh, Eric Tweedale. One thing I did want to talk about before we moved on, boys, was we got our first controversial call under the amendment or the amended uh, restart uh, rules that we have. And we sort of alluded to it when we were discussing the changes, but what amounts to a contestable kick 60s. We saw the Balmain Tigers attempt a short kickoff at one point when the contest was still a little bit closer and they were trailing. And I think the ball travelled a net of two or three metres from the tee when all was said and done. And it was deemed to be a contestable kick and it was a 10 metre play the ball or 40 metres from Parramatta's goal line, 10 metres short of halfway instead of a penalty. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Well, I guess this is what the issue is going to be all year is the interpretation of what's contestable. I think, Clint, you've flagged that this is going to be an issue for referees during the year. Anything that um, relies on discretion is always going to be contentious. And, you know, we we saw, uh, I didn't see that that particular incident in the SG ball game, but we did see, um, you know, uh, one of the other rule interpretations in the Manly Roosters trial when um, former Eel Nathan Brown got pegged for being a, uh, a blocker for a general play kick, which actually affected a potential try scoring scenario for Manly. And, you know, it, 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 again, just an example of something that's open for interpretation. We've discussed it at length in previous shows, but, you know, these rules, were they changes that needed to happen? In my personal opinion, no, but you know, it's 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 going to be a talking point for this year. And, you know, I would not be surprised that if in 11, 12 months' time we're talking about how the rule's been reverted. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all either because, as we've discussed before, what was the point of bringing the rule in in the first place? The other one that people need to watch out for is the downtown rule because we're, we've seen a flurry of penalties in junior reps. We, we started to see it in spots in the trials. And I think you can expect that the referees are going to clamp down on it in round one. Now, I don't have a problem if they're going to consistently penalise players being beyond the the line of the play the ball. Yeah, so to, clar- <laughs> to clarify, because I was talking with the boys in the Parrot podcast earlier today, this is like the same way when you're in front of the ruck in general play and the ball comes to you, it's a penalty because you're, off, you're deemed offside for the entire play you are ineligible to chase the ball if you're in the same position when it comes to kicking, right? That is literally what the new downtown interpretation is. Yes, yeah, and and that's fair enough. And what we want is this to be applied for the entire season. Don't just go hard for five or six weeks and mm. then start to go soft on it. If And it's a pretty – look, this to me is a fairly easy rule. If you're, if you're offside from the play of the ball – well, or you're beyond that play the ball when that kick is put in, as John just said, it's uh, it's essentially it's a common, like common sense extension of an existing rule. Yeah. But I'm actually surprised it wasn't already ratified within the NRL code. Like, yeah, uh, that that we we obviously you know credit to the rules committee. We we've taken the Mickey out of them a fair bit with all the tinkering, but this is one of those amendments that actually makes sense. Like it is written. Yeah in such a way in general play that you're ineligible to be in the play. So therefore it should extend to when you're a kick chaser. So I didn't even realize that teams were exploiting it, but obviously someone or some ones were in terms of multiple teams. 
because my concern was if they were going to change it to being in front of the kicker in general or it's something to affect how much it would change our strategy for the way Mitchell Moses executes his clearing kicks. Uh, but as as written now, I'm not too concerned. I think that we can... I, I'm wondering as well whether teams have been using the blockers in that sort of way as well. Um, so that with the players going through, they're not just affecting a, a kick chase at the start. They're also mm. impacting the the defence coming through and then they continue with the chase. And mm. I, I, I have no problem with that rule. It's not, uh, as John said, it's a common sense extension of an offside a rule that that exists with um, you know players not being able to get involved with the play if they're not behind the play of the ball. So uh, let's hope that they continue with that. And really, that shouldn't be an adjustment for teams. No, no, because if you've got if you've got teams who are deliberately exploiting that uh, you know the non enforcement of offside with those kicks, bad luck. my throat. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Bad luck if they if they can't adjust to that because they weren't they weren't doing the right thing in the first place. So anyway, we move on. John, teamless Tuesday. Can you run us through the Eels' selected team for their trial up in Queensland? Yeah, we were expecting Brad Arthur to name a full strength team, and he is obliged. Julie uh, taking on the Gold Coast Titans. This one's out at the North Ipswich Reserve, I believe. So. Not on the glitter strip, but going to Rugby League Heartland in Queensland. Um, quick look, quick look at the uh, Titans. Uh, they've got the young gun Keanu Kinney at fullback, Cam uh, Pereira and Sammy on the wings. Brian Kelly, AJ Brimson in the centres, so a pretty handy backline there. Kieran Foran, we remember him from his time as an eel, and Tanner Boyder in the halves. Uh, good forward pack with uh, Mo Fodawaker, Keenan Palacia in the front row, Sam Verrills at dummy half, Jacob Alec, Bo Fermore, the uh, luckless Bo Fermore actually. And then Tino Fa'asul Malaawi in the back row. Uh, the interchange, Chris Randall, Jamin Joloff, Aaron Clark, and Cleese Haas. Extended roster, Stimson, Smith Shields, who was uh, very close to being an eel apparently last year. Fafida of the JoJo variety, Weaver, De Groot, uh, Pahalu, and then the other Fa'asul Malaawi, uh, a.k.a. Isaac, round out the Titans team. And for the eels, well, I think, was it, is it, how many is it, 11? How many starters we got coming into this team? It's, it's absolutely mammoth compared to what happened last week. We start at fullback, Quinton Gufferson, on the wings, Mike Acevo and Sean Russell, Will Penasini, and with his nose in front of Morgan Harper, it's Bowie Simonson at left centre. Then in the halves, Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses getting their first taste of the preseason trials. Front row, it's Reagan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Barloff, Joey Lussick at dummy half, Sean Lane and Bryce Cartwright on the edges, Jermaine Hopgood getting out of that All-Stars game unscathed is at lock forward. On the interchange, this is probably going to be the biggest talking point, I imagine, is uh, Brendan Hands, Widrimu Greg, Joe Ofengahi, and Kelma Tuolangi. Extend the roster. Eels only using five of their available seven slots is Ryan Madison, Morgan Harper, Hayes Dunster, Dejan Arcee, and the lone rookie, Blaze Tulangi. So a good-looking team there for the Eels. Some interesting picks, boys, that we're going to talk about, I'm sure, and uh, we'll have some people fired up, no doubt, no matter which way the, the uh, sticks had fallen in terms of that bench. But yeah, Eels clearly coming out of this one ready to tune up for round one. Yeah, well, there are, I did a rough count, I think it is, about 11 players that weren't involved in last week's trial that are involved this week. Uh, you've pretty much covered a couple of those talking points being uh, the the centre battle that's there 
uh, where we're seeing the pack that's pretty much starting as most people would have expected, and then it gets to that bench uh, rundown, doesn't it? It's the uh, we we talked about this quite a bit when uh, BA suggested that he wasn't going to select two dummy halves in his teams this year. And I said to you, as far as I was concerned, that Brendan Hands was not a specialist dummy half, that he was a utility player. Yeah, that's the nuance of the discussion that we had, wasn't it? It was whether he was seen as a specialist interchange dummy half or just dummy half in general or a utility. And look, they I, I believe they argued that he was a utility last year to the NRL when it came to getting to play NRL, and they've, mm-hmm. they've stayed true to it. He is a utility. Uh, that's his first slot in the team. And while he may be more of a dummy half in his utility capacity, they clearly see him as, see him as a Swiss Army knife to be used off the bench. Yeah. Uh, Clint, what's your takes? Yeah, look, um, I, I, I think people would look at today's team as and maybe be a bit, bit surprised because they had pigeonholed Brendan Hands as purely a hooker. But, you know, we, we, we've discussed this many times before and you referenced it just then that he... he um, offers far more than just that. Um, he has a, a junior reps background in the halves. Um, he's certainly solid enough and um, a, a good enough to defender that he can fill in um, in the middle if required as well. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a great depth option for us to have on the bench. But, you know, um, you, there, there'd also be some people who are surprised in seeing um, what appears if you if you go off it um, based on the numbers, Ryan Madison looking like he's not in the top 17. I don't know if that's a cosmetic thing or not, but, um, you know, uh, someone had to miss out, right, lads? Five, that's right. Yeah, five cannot go on to four. That is yeah. the, the very simple maths of it. And no matter what configuration was on that interchange, I imagine there would have been some subset of fans that would have been upset because it wasn't their choice. And in this mm. case, Madison's the biggest name to miss out, I suppose, amongst the different permutations. But I say missed out with inverted commas because this is a trial. He is, not, mm-hmm. he is not out of the running by any means yet. Same with Morgan Harper. Uh, this is why we do have preseason trials and while they might not have the inside running right now, uh, big showings against the Titans alongside struggles from Simonson or one of the bench players could lead to them getting right back into the thick of things. And yeah, uh, I, it's going to be interesting for discussions and I hope healthy discussion rather than, you know, just screeching and typical internet, you know, slinging and, slum and slanging. But uh, it's a good position to be in to have mm. a player of Ryan Madison's caliber not be a lock for your top 17. Um, and yeah, I, I really look forward to seeing how this battle plays out. Kelma Tualangi took a huge step forwards against the uh, Raiders on the weekend. And, you know, that's why we have preseason trials. So it's now on Madison to uh, return serve. Yeah, and I'm not ruling out that BA still goes with four forwards. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. I, I think he's basically using the. Uh, reserve bench, the extended reserve bench, and will probably rotate the four forwards as if they w- there were four forwards on the bench, and that yeah. he w- and that he will rotate Brendan Hands with Joey Lussick. Uh, in in saying, of course, in saying all of that, he's tipped his hat that. Brendan Hands is in the mix for selection in the team by naming him on a bench where 
uh, he is, first of all, the only uh, player who's likely to be able to cover dummy half and the the true uh, utility player in that in that lot in that he can cover the spine the hard uh, like the spine and also uh, lock at a pinch so yeah interesting um i don't know how much time some of the other players are going to get in uh the in this match what's what's your thought on that i mean we're going to do a prop uh, like a full preview with the preview podcast later in the week john but um yeah, what's the what's the thoughts on uh, the game time that you think that some of these other players will get? I mean, um, uh, are we likely to see uh, Morgan Harper swap out with uh, Bailey Simonson um, halfway through the yeah. match, or are we likely to see him swap with uh, Will Penasini um, to keep uh, on a particular side of the field? Um, Hayes Dunster is he? Is he likely to get time on the wing, um, a significant time, or is is that going to be, say, 10, 15 minutes towards the end of the game? Blaze Talangi, also, will he come on at fullback? Will he come on at centre? I think they're some of the questions that could be, well, mm-hmm. could he come on in the halves? If you aren't going to play Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown for... 80 minutes, then you have to look at players like Dejan Arcee and Blaise Talangi to come on in the halves. Uh, I guess Brendan Hands could cover there as well. But then you need dummy but half, which means Joey Lussick yeah, plays. Yeah, yeah, and you're not you're not going to expect, I wouldn't think, Joey Lussick to play 80 minutes of a trial. I could be wrong, but I, I wouldn't see that there's a need for him to play 80 minutes. Perhaps it's you know, mixed up a little bit with um, Brendan Hands maybe playing a couple of uh, of different roles. But I would think that uh, Dejan and Blaze uh, are possibilities for the halves. Blaze, again, might be used at fullback and get all the more experience back there. So that's where I think it's going to be interesting. And it's, as I said, it's probably made even more interesting by the fact that the Eels have gone for a shorter... Mm-hmm. Uh, interchange list than than what they could have. Um, will they add more to it? Is it possible for them to add more? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not sure about the rules of the preseason trials, especially now that there's cash up for grabs. Not that the Eels are in the hunt for it, uh, but yeah, uh, look, there's a couple of things to do with his extended roster. I think first of all, it's a really nice nod for Blaze. Um, the fact that he's still in the mix. There's no other rookie prospect that's in the team. Obviously, no Ethan Sanders. No Matt Arthur, which is more a function of the concussion than necessarily not being picked. Uh, but Blaze, even with that one indiscretion of the, uh, not even a drop ball, hearing the footsteps coming last week, still showed enough to warrant being in the mix this week, which is fantastic to see. Um, what it does tell me is that that 15 to 18, uh, that you know, the four forwards vying for those interchange spots, they're going to get a lot of play time. Um, there are no other forwards in the extended roster. Harper, Dunster, Arcee and Talangi are all backs or in the spine. So we're going to see uh, Greg Ofengahi, Tualangi, and Madison get plenty of game time, I reckon. In terms of how these other guys come on, though, I think Morgan Harper's going to get at least a half a game of football here, whether it's in relief of Simonson or taking over from Penasini. Like you said, 60s, I think they're both viable options. And I could see Simonson getting most of a game and then getting subbed out for Arcee, Dunster, or Tulangi, depending on how they go there. 
Um, in terms of those other guys there, it's hard to see how, I mean, Arcee's going to be playing the halves, I think. He'll replace Mitchell Moses and run the show, I'd say. Um, I'd like to see Blaze get a little bit of time with the front line 6, 7, and 9 at fullback. Because Guffo is the, you know, we know he's the king. He's He doesn't need the big preseason tune-up the way a lot of players do. Uh, his game is predicated on being an utter pro and, you know, just having a huge ticker. And I think he doesn't need big minutes against the Titans to get into gear. So I would like to see what Blaze can do with Moses and Brown and Lusick or, you know, all hands uh, at dummy half. Uh, but I, I'd expect Blaze to maybe bounce around a few spots depending on how they go, go about it. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see um, on an individual level from a team perspective, and obviously we're going to preview this, uh, we need to see a big lift in intent, in line speed, in aggression, and uh, maybe see the, not, you know, see the team deploying big stratagems and gambits in terms of attacking, but seeing the forwards maybe hunting in, in pods and whatnot and testing the ruck out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll, look, I, I guess we're probably still not going to see too much of uh, the Eels' hand in terms of specific attacking shapes. I think you're going to see the basics still. I don't think they're going to throw out too much that's going to surprise. Uh, I did get to watch a little bit of training yesterday and uh, wasn't uh, wasn't a lot that I was able to see yesterday. I, I um, was a little bit busy, got up there a bit late. And uh, what I did see was them uh, doing a lot of systems work because, the you know, you had the players that were involved in the trial last week that weren't uh, doing a particularly heavy session given that it was um, you know, Saturday to Monday. So they, they were just doing a little bit of skills work, that sort of thing. The main session with the, with the NRL players yeah, it, it, supplemented by a few extras was just really uh, systems-based, um, defensive systems, some attacking shapes, and, uh, yeah, the, a lot of left versus right sort of stuff that they were doing. So um, I'm ex- that's what really... I mean, I, I'm expecting, like any trial, that you're not going to see any side really show their hand too much. It's going to be... Get your basics right, get some of your combinations right, and keep the powder dry for the real stuff. Clint, anything you want to add? That's the memo, uh, or the MO, I should say, for uh, trials. You know, ultimately, the thing that we all care for most here is that we come out unscathed and no injuries, and we're going in with a full complement of players because uh, we know from last year. Um, starting last year, down a, a, a handful of players, and it never really got better at any point throughout 2023. That having uh, availability of your roster um, as much as, as as you can is an integral part of building a strong season. So, you know, um, we'll just look to to, to hit our. Uh, you know, I'm sure Brad will give uh, all the players a little individual KPIs for the games, and we'll look to come out of it um, unscathed and rolling around one and, and, and that's when we'll start to show our hand a little bit more. Yeah. And I think that seems like a good place in the podcast to invite people to go and take a bit of a break, go and grab your coffee, your cup of tea, your, your schooner or whatever it is that you're uh, relaxing with. And in the meantime, Forty will queue up his 
piece of musical excellence for this week. <laughs> We've been a little bit too mainstream lately, guys. We had a bit of Eminem by way of trumpet. We had some uh, Godfather OST right there. So I sort of cast my eyes back to lockdown. And one of the things that popped up during there that went sort of viral was a Finnish uh, tune that sort of got jumped on by a couple of people and it was laid on. Someone played the violin, someone did it a cappella to start off initially and then someone brought it all together and did a really cool sample of it. So we'll go with the Yevon Polka, which I believe is a Finnish tune, like I said. to our European listeners, I'm sure. Uh, how many people <laughs> out there would have been tapping their foot along to that? It's a bit, it's a bit of an earworm, isn't it? For, me, for some unknown reason, I, f- I found myself keeping beat with that and I'm thinking, why am I doing that? Why? <laughs> why? Well, I'm, a, I'm a little bit discombobulated because when you said uh, a, um, a lockdown tune, I was bracing for the weekend's blinding lights <laughs> and I thought yes. we were going to do a throw a throwaway to some footage of um, Nathan Cleary as well. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, this one, this one, not as uh, mainstream as the blinding lights there, but this one uh, <laughs> did, did pop up my radar via YouTube and uh, some uh, other social media stuff. So hopefully you enjoyed it. And it's yeah, the Yevan Polka, I E V A N Polka is in the classic Polka. Um, and if you punch that into YouTube, I'm sure it'll pop up with uh, various iterations of it, including the one listed there. Maybe someone out there in social media land can put together a clip of uh, highlights from a player or a team for the season and use that as the soundtrack to go with it. (laughs) Instead of some shitty mumble rap? Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then maybe it could be used in the promo for Las Vegas. I know it would be a late entry (laughs) into the promo land, but who knows? I mean, let's let's go with a difference. We're a, a sport with a difference, so... Let's let's and take it there. That that song does come with a caution. We've opened the door to Europe now, which means we can get real weird. <laughs> we look forward to where to where you go from here at this point on, John. Uh, now, last week, of course, I mentioned that it was trials across the NRL. We're just on the on the front of suspensions and injuries. Uh, Dom Young was a significant yeah. one with his neck injury and also related to that, uh, simply getting a three-week suspension for the uh, crusher tackle that caused the injury. Uh, Outside of that, fellas, any uh, main takes that you've got from the various trial matches, John? Well, it it was one of the most uneven weeks in week one of preseason trials we've seen because of the round zero teams going all out with their strong, strongest teams that week and then naming their reserve grade teams this week, which meant that they had incredibly stacked rosters against what was traditionally the reserve grade lineups in the opposition. Obviously, the alternative being the Manly versus uh, Roosters trial where we saw two weak teams there, sorry, two full-strength teams there. 
But, uh, you know, the, the Broncos annihilated the Cowboys because they had all their stars there. Um, and then from there we saw, I don't know, uh, the, the Dogs game was pretty dour. I know they prevailed, but it was a pretty ordinary first half. Newcastle had a nice showing against the Sharks. Um, the Rabbitohs blitzed the Dragons in the Charity Shield. Uh, the Warriors, the biggest thing from the Warriors-Tigers uh, game was the high shot, I think. Uh, the, I, know, I know the commentators were very hyped for uh, the left edge of the Tigers um, with uh, Caesar uh, having, you know, he's had a few different movements there, but I don't know. And it, it was just a... I, I couldn't get too much out of his week of trials just because of the weird discrepancies between roster strengths. So I don't know what to... And in general, you're not passing too much from trials. We know don't get too overhyped or uh, too disenfranchised depending on how it goes. And this is probably the most peak uh, definition of that I've seen in a while. Yeah, Clint, yourself? It's hard to disagree with anything that John said there. Um, you know, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised with the fight that essentially the Manly New South Wales Cup side put up against largely the Roosters' first string side. I, I thought they were very competitive in their game. Um, and, you know, um, I, I, I thought... Um, uh, Jake Arthur in particular actually had quite a solid game for them in that outing. But um, obviously the, the quality of the Roosters prevailed in the end, but I thought they were pretty valiant in the way that they um, they, they put it to the Roosters. Um, but yeah, you know, like it, it, it kind of feels like in um, this first week of the preseason trial, and, and I dare say it's going to continue to be a trend for many years to come, is that you'll probably only get really 20, 30, maybe 40 minutes of football where you can kind of go, oh, there's a little bit of a takeaway there. Like, I, I think more of the notes exist amongst individual player performances and amongst those players who are um, potentially competing for spots um, in the NRL sides. You know, we, we touched on with our own game that, um, you know, we thought that both um, Sean Russell and Kelma Tuolangi uh, did their chances no harm. And, you know, I, I think Sean has absolutely nailed down that that um, uh, right wing spot and had a very strong performance uh, in our trial. And, you know, it's um, likewise, Kelman Tuolongi um, did his chances no harm with a, a barnstorming performance against the Dragons. But, you know, those were two really good performances amongst a team that ultimately uh, went down by uh, 22 points. But that doesn't mean anything in the scheme of things because of the way in which the teams are chopped and changed throughout the match. So I, I kind of feel like you go into these games and you get a little bit out, out of individual players' performances and, um, those players are sort of on the periphery or um, trying to hold down an NRL spot. You get a bit out of those um, individual players' games. But in terms of team performances, I don't think you get much at all. Yeah, look, it's interesting you mentioned Jake Arthur there. Plenty of his critics that were, well, let's just say closer to the troll end of being critics uh, were suggesting that Jake would not get a contract or get anywhere near first grade at any other club. Well, it didn't take long for the Seagulls to pick him up. Not named he, this week as well, which means he's on the plane to Vegas. Cor- correct. Uh, I was I was about to say that it's he's uh, he's had a he he had a he had a he had a contract extension from the Seagulls fairly quickly once he arrived over there. Uh, as John just mentioned, he's on the the plane over to Vegas. I would suggest he will probably end up being in the seventeen, and will will play in the match. So he's done particularly well for himself in making that move. It was probably, when all said and done, it was probably in his best interests, given the circumstances of uh, having Moses and Brown in front of him at the Eels. I think Jake will end up being 
a ball playing forward at some stage in the future. But right now, he's being used by Manly in the halves as he was at Parramatta. And uh, you've got uh, Daly Cherry Evans, who's, you've got to say, he's got to be close to the end of his career <laughs> right now. At What is he, 36 now or 36 this year, something like that. Um, so yeah, he's he maybe has a, a strong future there. Hopefully, Jake might come back to the Eels at, one, at some stage in the future. And uh, if he's if he's not playing in the halves, he, he might be uh, a ball-playing lock forward by then. Um, yeah, but apart from that, I'll tell you what I liked out of the week. And the thing that took my attention was the crowd that rolled up for the Warriors trial. Nearly 14,000 people there. It's pretty solid. That is a really impressive trial crowd, you'd have to say. And it's probably... Uh, a sign of how important this year is for the Warriors, isn't it? To build on what they did last season and not be relegated as one-year wonders. And look, they, they made fundamental steps forwards under Webster last year. They played a really strong uh, game predicated on being physical and aggressive, which is really the hallmark of all the good teams. And yeah, now it's beholden to them to just consolidate. And if they can do that, geez, there's a huge market they can carve into. Look, I think they won a lot of hearts with what they went through during COVID. And then given that they were able to have such a strong year last year on the back of being able to play back at home, yeah, I th- they if they can be finals uh, regulars, their future in terms of the, uh, the strength of their club in New Zealand looks particularly bright. Uh, you talked about Vegas. We've already seen South depart for Vegas are they I mean are they making genuine inroads into having fans over in America do you think fellas I mean there's at least one South Jersey at most sporting events so they've got that going for them (laughs) it always finds its way there (laughs) look I guess it doesn't hurt to have the gladiator himself as a high profile owner supporter so it's the sort of thing that you shoot for the moon and the worst you do is fail. Uh, and that's not a bad thing here. Uh, maybe you don't make an impression on the American market. Maybe no one or not enough people gain traction with the uh, red, the what is it, Myrtle and Green or whatever it is, or Red and Myrtle, I can't remember which one it is. But they are, the worst they can do is fail there. And if they can get a foothold, that's obviously awesome for them. So got no issues with them getting out there and trying to get the South Sydney Rabbitohs brand uh, entrenched in the American market just a little bit, and they do have the biggest advantage among the four teams and among mm. all 17 teams, really, uh, by having the Gladiator fronting their franchise because that is he's not the true, like you know, the quadruple A lister he once was, but uh, he is a prominent celebrity, and people do recognize the Russell Crowe brand. So, him being behind Souths is huge for them, and if any team is going to make a jump there, it'll be them. Yeah, the NRL as well, they put out their schedule for the days before and well, leading into the big double header over there. Uh, Plenty of events planned, including uh, NRL 360 programs from there, Matty Johns from over there. There's uh, luncheons and special events happening. And the. I I got beef with that. That uh, I've seen the Fox previews and it just looks like a massive junket for the Fox Sports crew. It, <laughs> it, it looks like 
it is to I, I love this guy, but it is Adam Sandler and getting all his mates to film a you know shitty movie to have a holiday, <laughs> as it is to Matty Johns having his mates over there doing Vegas stuff. So I mean, power to them; they're they're living the dream. But geez, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, look, we're we're going to be recording a chat with our eels, American eels mate and fan over there, Ron. He's been on the Tip Sheet podcast a number of times already. Mm-hmm. We've booked in to speak to him early next week as he's about to depart for Vegas. We're then going to have him on the podcast after he's been to Vegas and experienced the uh, double header and all of the events that have gone on around it so he can give you a first-hand account of what it was like to be there as an American fan, not as uh, as an Australian over there for the event, but as an American rugby league fan, an Eels fan, uh, American-born and bred who loves his American sport but has also fallen in love with rugby league. Uh, we'll get all of his takes before and we'll get all of his takes after. Now, finally, fellas, I wanted to touch on a new rule that's been introduced over in the English Super League. It may be impacting the World Club Challenge, but it may also be a pointer to the future of what's going to happen with Rugby League in Australia, and that's the high tackle rule, where I think it's the the new rule is basically going to be that uh, and I think it's similar to rugby union that has to be from the armpits down. You cannot tackle above the armpits, make contact with uh, any of the the shoulder or the neck in any way. So how do how do we see that? Is that is that where we're heading? I think so. Yeah. yeah uh... It kind of feels like you're just um, we're peering through the looking glass with it, isn't it? You know, um, especially as player welfare continues to become a bigger and bigger concern, not just in rugby league, but in in, in the sport the world over. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it, it it certainly feels like a preview of things to come. Yeah, John. Yeah, well, rugby in in order of sort of severity, rugby union, and then the Super League, and then NRL have all policed the high tackle in decreasing levels of uh, aggression always. Uh, in rugby union, you've been uh, consistently red-carded or yellow-carded if it's a more minor offence for staff that will keep you on the field in rugby league for years. Um, and then we've seen in the Super League that they are far more willing as officials to go to the send-off in the, like in the Simbin than we see in the NRL. So no surprise that they're making the, you know, the first move there in regards to changing the contact zone for what is a legal tackle. Um, I, yeah, I think... The more and more we see with concussions and the long-term impacts that they have on these athletes, uh, I'm not surprised to see these competitions move to facilitate something that can not necessarily prevent but help minimise uh, the potential impact of that by changing the tackle zone. Um, and I don't think, look, I don't think going from shoulders to armpits is too egregious a change in terms of asking players to change their techniques and and change what's been imprinted into them as a, a training method across. When you get, well, by the time you're a professional player, it's a decade plus, right? You've been in elite pathways and then you know junior competitions, so that that's not the the craziest thing. And I, I think this is a change that will come to the NRL at some point. Um, the fact that it's going to be, I think, is it 2025? It's going to be mandated internationally, or is it the World Cup Challenge this year? Um, 
I'm not sure, yeah. but either way, uh, that going to the international stage means it's probably going to then trickle down to the NRL, and uh, I'm not opposed to it. I feel player safety uh, needs to be balanced against the quality of the product as a financial you know, TV deal slash sponsorship deal sort of thing, and this is a common sense change that I think, as long as uh, we see uh, the correct reduction in injuries, uh, makes sense. Yeah, my concern, just in terms of players that make high contact, is where you have the ball carrier leading with the head or shoulders. Yep, that, that, that's a, something that's going to need to be addressed at some point too. We, we've seen players been able to maybe weaponize as too aggressive of a term, but players that are able to drop the shoulder or, like you said, sort of tuck the head in and, and almost use it as a weapon. Um, that that needs to be addressed at some point soon as well. Yeah, because if you've got if you've got a player that's coming at you in a crouched position and they're leaning forward, you cannot be expected to get down on your haunches, allow the player to get over the top of you, and uh, you know you're restricted to a uh, well a greatly minimised hit zone because. Uh, if if you've got someone you know, who's really lent forward in that uh, in that action, and we've seen, goodness knows, we've seen Teddy do that, haven't we? Over the years, is um, there's plenty of photos of him coming into the into the uh, defence line and the, heading into contact, and he's lent right forward. And we've talked about and, the, in in length at length. Sorry, the the fairness of presenting a legally tackleable target. Um, and Perfect. yeah, and all the controversy that's come with the way he uh, you know runs the ball. So yeah, th- this is a like you said, it's sort of balancing the offense and the defense here. This is an important step for player safety on the defensive side, but that also needs to be uh, almost in lockstep, uh, coming with an adjustment to what the player with the ball in hand can also do in terms of presenting a safe target to be tackled. Yeah, it's and especially when you have uh, so much of the tackling technique that gets practiced with an upright defensive stance and uh, you know we know that the players take uh, the risk of anytime they're they're sort of swinging their arms in that upright position that you only need a player to have a a fall from their own upright position that you're going to have high contact that will be made that might be quite accidental because the player falls into it but um, yeah if you've got if you've got players that present this minimized deliberately present a minimized uh, tackling zone then you've got a gray area and I and you would hope that there is some sort of allowance that's taken into account there and I think when you spoke about the Super League with their stricter rules and more likelihood of uh, send-offs or sin bins that we don't end up going down that path in the NRL. That it's, I know it's hard on that spot when the the referees and uh, video officials are looking at uh, what's what's happened on the screen, and then they've got to make a a relatively quick uh, decision, but. We hope that it's kept to a minimum and that you don't have, I believe, what happened over in England in uh, in their early round 
which was a whole lot of uh, dismissals from the field for high tackles. Okay, well, uh, fellas, I think that just about brings us to the end of this week's podcast. I don't think there's anything that's uh, broken late. Just a reminder, again, that it is we're into the last three days of the election for Parramatta Leagues Club Board of Directors positions. Please make sure that you vote. Vote as soon as you've listened to this, but please make sure that you vote before 5 p.m., on Friday when voting closes. We need all the votes that you can that can possibly be made to be made because you want the wishes of the members to be truly represented in any election. The more people that vote, the more representative it is. Thank you also to uh, Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta and to Big Swing Golf for their support of everything that we do on the Cumberland Throw. Clint, John, thank you for your wonderful input to this podcast. Thank you to all our listeners for not only your continued support of the Cumberland Throw, but also to those people who reach out and get in touch with us. And as I always say, go you mighty eels.